underway, broadcasting to you from our remote Pittsburgh studios, north of the steel city of Pittsburgh, PA. We bring you today episode number 660 of our podcast, Steel City Sports Talk. My name is Alex Brown. And I'm Ryan Bick. And together we are your hosts for this podcast, all 60 episodes up to this point and beyond. Yep, honestly, been, I can't believe it's been 60 episodes. It feels like we just started a couple, uh, about a year ago, but it's been, what is it? Two We're coming up on two years. Yeah, probably about a, over a year and a half right now. But uh, it's been fun. And today we got four things to discuss and talk about the Penguins cap situation with the draft upcoming. We don't really uh, want to bore you. I mean, sometimes draft talk's a little boring because you don't really know many of the players. It's not like the NFL draft or the uh, – I guess you could say MLB draft boards. There's all these guys that you know about from college. It's more younger guys you don't really know about and who probably won't have an impact on the team unless it's like you have a top 10 pick for a couple of years, a lot of these players that are being drafted. But uh, but that doesn't mean we can't talk about current cap situation and Penguins have about $21 million to spend. Then after that, we'll talk about conference realignment and where Pitt Pitt fits in and all that if it does happen. After that, we'll talk about the Baker Mayfield situation. Is now he is now a Carolina Panther, and the mess that is for the Browns is Watson will not even play. And then finally, we'll talk about some golf again with the John Deere Classic finishing up last week, and then the Scottish Open currently going on. And then it'll all lead to the major, the Open Championship, and everyone's looking forward to that. That is always one of the toughest forms of the year because that that golfer there over there in Europe, Alex, is brutal. <laughs> it really is. Those courses are tremendous over there. It's- one of a kind, and that's what makes the Open such a special tournament. And it really, that one really is, a, that's another nostalgic one, where you really think about that one in the Masters. It's really nostalgic in terms of uh, the, the feel of those tournaments. Definitely, and it'll be a fun tournament. I mean, I think a lot of players are playing the Scottish Open this week. I mean, 14, I think, of the 15, uh, 14 of the 15 top Golfers, I think, of the world golf rankings are playing in there. The only one that isn't playing is Rory. Uh, I mean, I, I mean that's a great field. I think they're all getting ready, trying to get used to the uh, type of golf that's played over there in, in Europe. It's going to be a fun tournament. But let's get started off with the Penguins, Alex. $21 million to spend, and a lot of that's going to be taken up by Latang or Malkin if they're signed. So what do you look for? You know, what do you think is going to happen in these next few days or next few weeks or months? I think it's incredibly important that they decide what they're going to do with Evgeny Malkin. As there's been reports that Latang, uh, Hextall's even said it himself, that they're very close to signing Chris Latang, which I think is the best thing that they could have done this offseason. And Ryan, if you're signing Chris Latang, I'm thinking what, three years? It seems like it's going to be three years. Three years, what, eight million? That's what the report was. I forget who was. It was either from Elliot Friedman or maybe Dejan. I mean, they, they each said something. It was around like it was reported that Tang wanted five years, but it looks like the deal might end up being three years, eight million, which I think is definitely good. I mean, you don't want to go too much over eight million. I think eight million is right in that range where you can get the three-year deal, not have to stretch it out to five while still giving him the money that he wants. I think if they went maybe five years, it'd be like five. Uh, and seven per year, but I think the Penguins wanted to, or Latang wanted maybe a little bit more. So maybe at the, they met in the middle of three years, eight million. We'll see if that happens. It better happen. Hextall said he thought it would happen before both free agency carries and maybe even the draft. So the draft is uh, Thursday night today, the day we're doing the podcast. So uh, we'll see. We'll see if that happens today. I mean, it could be a a big a big day for the Penguins signing Latang, which would be huge news, and then it would mean a lot. 
uh, I guess that number that Latangus would also dictate how much Malkin maybe could get if he is re-signed. Absolutely. And Malkin, if you're going to, there's been a report that Rob Rossi said they're looking at two years, six million per year. If you do that, if you sign that deal with Malkin, um, two years, six million, which I think is okay, but he wants four years, it, it seems, by that report. It's, if, let's say it's just two years. So you sign six million, eight million for Latang, six million for Malkin, that's 14 million. You're down to roughly $7.4 million in cap space. Mm-hmm. And you have to dish that out to the rest of the team. So you're not you're now in a precarious situation with your cap space because you Raquel's a free agent, Boyle, Rodriguez, um, then you got RFAs being Heinen and Kapanen. And those are guys that are um and you still got some guys that are in the minors that you have to sign. Sure we, we would have 14 million because if we sign Latang for 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 uh what would it be? Eight. Eight. Eight and then, and then Malkin for six. That's that takes out fourteen million. Then they have like seven million remaining. Yes, to sign those guys. I mean, let's look at what those guys' contracts were last year. I mean, Heinen one point one million, Kaplan at three point two, Boyle was only seven hundred fifty k as veteran minimum, Raquel three point eight, and Erod was one million. So you can try to squeeze those guys in if you want to sign them. Uh, under seven million, I think there's going to be a couple guys in there that that get the boot. But it's definitely doable because you don't really have to sign another defenseman. I mean, if you have Latang, it's going to be Matheson, Marino, Dumoulin, Pedersen, and then Ruiz and Freeman as the defenseman. You don't need to sign another one. You could sign maybe another veteran guy or maybe a young up-and-coming guy, maybe that could play in Wilkes-Barre and get called up. Uh, so I think it's more doable if Latang takes $8 million and maybe Malkin takes $6 million. But I think if you get like maybe Malkin up to seven point five and it'll lead you like uh, like five point five million left. I mean, you can't you can't be putting together a good team with only five point five million, especially when you have so many needs, uh, especially the middle forward lines. I mean, if you sign Malkin, then your first two lines are pretty good. But then a third and fourth line, I mean, you're gonna need to bolster that. You're gonna need, I mean, I would be I'll, I'll jump over signing Raquel. I mean, he made 3.8 this year. If you can get him in like 3.5 to like 4 million range, I think that would be that would be a good deal because I think he does have a lot of talent. I think if it comes down to signing Kapanen or Heinen, I think you try to get Kapanen if he'll take a lot less. I mean, he made what was it 3.2 this year? He, he can't make he can't make more than 1.5 if you're going to resign him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but if it if it comes down to the same price, they both want 1.5. You take Kapanen because uh, I think he has a higher ceiling. Erod was only $1 million this year. If it comes down to the three of them, I take Erod over Captain and Hyde, and I think maybe that's the play. If you get Erod from maybe $1.5, maybe $2 million, I think you don't sign Captain and Hyde and use that money elsewhere. Maybe for uh, – sign an outside guy. You have to put in some fresh blood into the team because I think the same roster, Absolutely. it's not going to be – I mean, it was a good team last year, but I think you really need something to really boost the team. You need that dirty guy. You need a guy like Hornquist. I was thinking maybe – I was – out of curiosity, look at Hornquist, what he was getting paid. He's getting paid, um, like, oh, I think it was over $5 million there in Florida. You can't bring it to the Penguins. And he's signed for a couple more years down there as well. But I, I was surprised by that. But we need a guy like Hornquist who can get in front of the neck uh, on the power play, get those dirty holes, and provide a spark through a big hit or get into a fight. I know Penguins don't really have anybody like that currently. No, they don't. And they need they, – Boyle's as close as they have to that. And he was that guy in the the leader in the locker room. So I think you've got to sign him. I think if you're going to let someone walk of those remaining 
at least UFAs, those being Raquel, um, Boyle, Rodriguez, and that's it. Because if you sign Malkin, then he would no longer be a UFA. Malkin's the other UFA there. Oh, another thing of Boyle, I mean, he does provide that leadership, but he was slowed down towards the end of the year. I mean, he was 37. Right, yeah. And he's not getting any younger. He's not getting no, he's any not. faster. Right. And I think maybe being in a veteran minimum, I think I think that's easy to do. But he could also sign a lot of other guys that could provide a little bit more than Boyle for the veteran minimum. I think if you're going to let one of them go, I think you let Raquel go. Raquel, he was only there for a little bit. He's, he's a good player, but you don't need him. You brought him in to, to be successful in the playoffs. It wasn't his fault, but the team just wasn't successful in the playoffs. So you said they need new players. They need a little new blood. And I think if you're going to let someone go, you can get a couple people for the salary that you're paying Raquel, and you can dish that out to maybe sign two more players or maybe even just one player that's a little bit different. Like I think if you're looking at free agents right now, Frankie Vitrano, who was with the Rangers last year, he was good in the playoffs. He was goals against him. The Pens. I think if he was he was signed for two point five last year, two point five million. If you get him for three million for the Pens for let's say three years, three times three, I think that's a good deal. He's I think that's a very good deal. Yeah, I, I would. I mean, he could be a a high third line, second line guy, maybe. And you're and you're spending and you can save a little bit. From what you would be paying Raquel, because if you're going to sign Raquel, it's going to be at least four million a year. Because he's like he's going to want a little bit of an upgrade. He scored 20 goals last year. He's probably not going to want 3.5 million. I think he's going to want a little bit more. If you can sign uh, that for Johnny, could easily stay in New York. But if he could, becomes available, I think that's somebody you need to look at. If you can get him for, for um, on like a three four year deal for three million. Uh huh. Yeah, I, I agree with that definitely. But that's the type of thing that you can do without Raquel. And you could even sign two guys or even less expensive than for Toronto because they're out there. You just have to look for them. Like Dotson Heinen, nobody nobody was thinking Dotson Heinen was going to be a Pittsburgh Penguin last year or they would score almost 20 goals. Between Heinen and Rodriguez, they scored 37 goals last year for the Pens. Yeah, so I, think, I think their uh, success is maybe not as celebrated as a lot of – the Penguins fans, because it was came so early in the year, and then they kind of tailed off towards the end of the year when weren't as productive. But I think they do have that. I guess that what's the word? The capacity to be able to to provide a lot of points. I mean, if they can stretch out more consistently throughout the year, I think they're great pieces to re-sign. So, but right now I want to look at the Penguins have nine forwards uh, signed down for next year. Let's look at where that is. The first line obviously is set. You have Jake Gensel, six million. Uh, I left the wing and then he got said 8.7 million at center and then rust uh, for was it 5.1 million. At right yep. so that's your first line. Second line. You got two second line guys on there or I guess Jeff Carter could be a second line center. Obviously if Malkin isn't, isn't re-signed, but he's up there 37 years old too. He's making 3.1. And then you'd have him on his left side. You have Zucker who I think, he, who's making 5.5, which may be a bit much, but I think he, when healthy, is one is definitely up there as one of the most productive players on the team, both with physicality, work ethic, and he can get some goals and point production as well. But then this is where it gets a little, uh, <laughs> well, obviously you got Brock McGinn there would be the sixth best forward signed on this team, which would he would then be on the second line. Just look at this now. Obviously, it's going to change with when they start signing guys, but Brock McGinn, as it stands now, would be on the second line as a right wing. And he's making around uh, 2.7. And then Bluger, obviously, is a good third, third, fourth line center. He's making 2.2. And then Big Z redeems the Horna. 
and Drew O'Connor fill up that final line. It's, those are the nine fours that have are, that are already signed for next year. I, I think he could fill that out easily if he signed captain and he goes to the third line, or he goes maybe to the second line, takes McGinn's spot. McGinn drops down the third line. You sign Gino, he takes Carter's spot. Carter drops down the third line. Bluger drops down to the fourth line. And then you sign uh, Heinen. He takes Zahorna's spot. Zahorna goes to the fourth line. And then maybe you sign Boyle. He he goes to the fourth line. And then he he if you get Raquel, he goes to the second line, which would then probably put Zucker – or not Zucker. Yeah, Zucker on the uh, third line. The more and more I look at this, the more and more I think it's it's unattainable to, to sign Ricard Raquel. I think it's going to be so tough to get him at a reasonable price if you want to keep him for three to four years because this is his big contract time. He's 29. He's going to want something that's pretty big. It, it's the, he's playing in the prime of his career. He's going to want at least $4 million a year. He, he'll get it from somewhere if he goes to the free agent market. I, the Pens can't afford that. I think he's the guy who's definitely not. I mean, you would love to have him. But look, you look at this. If you sign Malkin for $6 million, sign Latang for $8 million, Yes. That leaves you with seven million left. And then if you sign Raquel for four million, give you three million left. Or if you sign it for three point five, gives you I mean, I don't I mean, it's just not attainable, as you said, to be able to build up the rest of the roster. I mean, because if you if you sign Malkin Latang, I mean Malkin takes Carter spot, Carter drops down the third line. Then you sign Raquel, Raquel bops McGinn down to the third line, but then McGinn's probably a fourth line player. Zahorna's a fourth line player. And you don't have, you only have 3.5 million or 4 million left to be able to sign two third line players. And I don't know how well that'll work out. I mean, I think, as you said, it's unattainable. But I mean, everything changes if you don't get Malkin signed. I mean, just you get, you just signed the tank. I mean, that gives you, I mean, if you sign for 8 million, gives you 13 million left to spend. And that can really open some doors. It can. You're absolutely right. And I think that's what they're going to have to do. And they're going to have to look maybe in the discount rack as they had to do last year, as Brian Burke was saying. They, they had to look for some better options that they could get at a cheaper price, like Dutton Heinen, like Rodriguez, who they brought back. So those were two players that they're making a combined $2.1 million that brought you 37 goals. Can you find production like that again? That's unlikely. But can you do that from trying to find some other guys? Maybe you get two guys that get you a combined 25 goals. Maybe that's something they have to look at. But here's another thing, another thought, Ryan, another question I'll pose to you. Sit for four years, $6 million, which is what Malkin wants. Would you do that deal with Malkin? Would you rather do that deal with Malkin or with Vincent Trocek? Well, Joffa, this this is a tough one, actually. Trocek wasn't a good player last year. I mean, he was he was a good player, but he wasn't a player that should be getting paid six million. He got fifty one points in eighty one. I games. think in the long run, you would take Trocek, but if again, if it comes down to signing Malkin or Trocek for maybe two years for six million, I think you sign Malkin. I think you'd absolutely do that too. But I think that's what I like. Yeah, if it's four years for the same price, you sign Trocheck. If it's two years for the same price, you sign Malkin. But I don't even know if you can get Trocheck for six million a year. I think he might even want more than that. If he wants more, he's delusional. 
and but you'll probably get it from someone, but it's going to be, it's, it's a bad deal for that person that takes that contract. As you said, Trecek, he's a, he's a good player. He's a solid second line player, but he's not, he should not be making more than 6 million a year. If he's going to make 6 million a year, he's got to get you at least 25 goals. And he hasn't done that in his career. I don't think. And Penguins fans forgot Jack Johnson's not only celebrating because he won a Stanley Cup, he's also celebrating because he's making two million dollars next year from the Pittsburgh Penguins, as we're still paying out his contract until 2025-2026 season. He makes two million next year, then it drops out nine hundred thousand for the last three years. I mean, this is just incredible. How did this happen? I mean, how much were you paying him? I forget how much we were paying him when we bought him out. It's dead cap. I can't, I can't, I just, that's unbelievable because people don't realize that they're paying, they're paying Jack Johnson as much as they're paying two players combined here on the pens. I know. I mean, imagine if that 2 million was freed up. That gives you a then like 23 million. Yeah. Maybe a half a million to give to Latang, maybe a half a million to give Latonkin. It gives you to Malkin. And then that leaves you another million to maybe to fill out the rest of the roster. I mean, Jack Johnson, I mean, this is that was one of the worst moves of Jim Rutherford's tenure. I mean, having to pay him $2 million. I mean, that does that totally screws up a lot of things that the Penguins want to do. I mean, it's just that $2 million could really, really open up a lot of doors for the Penguins. We're sending them checks not to show up to work. I know. I mean, and then he wins a Stanley Cup. And he wins the Stanley Cup. We're paying him to win the Stanley Cup. Oh my gosh, that's crazy! I didn't even see that until I looked down at the sheet. Where like Cap Friendly is a great resource to look at some of this stuff, and they have a lot of that. Um, these they have dead they have dead cap space. Here's another stat for teams, and Jack Johnson has, is on there, and it's another three years as he said. You were four years we're paying him, and that's unbelievable. But the Pens have to sign. Right now, they have 17 spots of roster space filled up. They have to sign another six guys on the roster. So Malkin, Tang, you're down to four more guys you have to sign on the roster until you're full, until you're filled up for the active major roster, a major league roster, I should say. But that's, a, that's an interesting situation as we ran through a lot of simulations there. Could one of those guys be a guy from Wilkes-Barre? So, such as Pierre Oliver Joseph, he's a restricted free agent. He can maybe fill in defense uh, once in a while. Although the defense, if you keep it as is, signing a tank that's kind of filled out, as you have seven guys with Friedman and Ruedel as a six and seven. There's any forwards are really, there's not really that many forwards that jump off the page looking at the at Wilkes Bear. I mean, another a guy who could have taken a spot was Casper Bjorkvist, but I'm pretty sure he just, he just took a contract overseas, so he's not going to be coming back. Anthony Angelo is a guy that's an unrestricted free agent. He can maybe get signed to make an impact, but I, I don't know. I mean, I think maybe you want to take a proven proven guy like Trocek, but Trocek would obviously cost maybe $5 million more than, than Angelo. <laughs> yeah, you got Jonathan Gruden down there. They got in the trade um, when they traded Matt Murray to Ottawa. He's a youngster. He, he's a, he has another year under contract and he becomes an RFA, but he's another guy that you could hope that could be coming up in a little bit that, because they, they really need to shore up their minor leagues because they don't have a lot of good prospects. They really don't. Yeah. That's because Rutherford, I mean, it, it, it wasn't bad, but I mean, it helped us win the cups, but he traded away it, yeah. our first and second round picks over the last couple of years. It was worth it to win the cups. Absolutely. But you got, they're at a point now where they have to, they can't be trading away picks. And it's nice they have their first round pick this year, but who knows what they're going to do um, with that pick? I think you got to pick a forward, but who knows what they'll do? And would you consider taking Mark Andre Fleury for the right price? 
Oh, shoot. I was going to talk about this. Uh, so we Peg was signed to Smith. I don't know if we've even talked about that yet. Do we? No, we, uh, we, we mentioned it. Two years, 1.8, which I think is a good contract because he was a solid goaltender last year. And he, Penguins would have won the series if he is healthy against the Rangers. Uh, but Flurry, you said. I think Flurry, I mean, I think he would have won three, three million, maybe over three million, uh, maybe even four million. I don't think he gives that to him. I mean, I mean, especially if you sign Latang Malkin because he's on every full million and you only have three million to sign the rest of the team. And that just really messes everything up unless you trade Jari, which would then maybe open up some, some money. Tristan Jari made 3.5 is making 3.5 next year. So that would free up about 3.5. Would you trade Jari to maybe move up in the draft a little bit or trade him to free up money to sign flurry? Would you take flurry as a starter, this Smith as a backup? I would take it, but I'd rather have Jari as my starter. Yeah, really Jari's younger. I think that I think I've oh, what was this? Tim Benz was saying uh, he was like covering in for Mark Madden, and he said just a, just a kind of conspiracy. He said maybe trade Jari to move up in the draft to maybe get a guy like Logan Coley or move up in the draft, and then with that extra money you save by trading Jari in your first round pick, you m- maybe then go out to sign Flurry, and because you, you signed to Smith, maybe to be a a proven backup behind Flurry. Flurry struggles. That's just what he was saying. I or maybe trade Jari to free up room for a guy like Trocheck or something like that. I mean, it's interesting. It really is interesting. And if you did that, Jari, how much Jari's making? He's not. He's making three point five a year. So he's he's making he's making a decent chunk of change. It's an interesting deal. That would be interesting, and I think if that happened, I think you definitely have to consider that if that came if the option came to the table. Uh, Logan Cooley, in particular, would be an intriguing option. But he's he's that's another guy that, as you said, some of these players you're not going to see them for a little bit, um, especially this year's draft. There's not a lot of standout guys that you can say this guy is going to be in my lineup in uh, two years and he's going to be a top six forward. Um, that's what you expect from a lot of these guys, but you can't with this current draft class. But I think Logan, that'd be an interesting proposition. Yeah, honestly, I'm not saying I think it's going to happen. I actually don't think it's going to happen. I think the only way we would have gone Flurry is if we didn't sign to Smith and get Flurry as a backup, which would then cost. I mean, the Smith signed for 1.8, Flurry would be probably 3.5. So you got the Smith, who's probably who's not better than Flurry currently, but will be better in the long run than Flurry for a lot less money. I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. But I want to put up a couple names before we jump to a different topic. Yeah, talk. We haven't been able to talk hockey much in a, a couple. A couple names. Um, another couple names that we can consider as forward options for the Pens. Let's say if they don't resign Raquel, and let's say another one of the RFAs. Let's say that they don't sign Kapanen or Heinen, like one of those two walks, or Rodriguez, one of those two walks, three walks. You could sign a couple different guys. From, but some of these guys, these guys are pretty young. I'm looking at guys that are making, they're scoring over 10 goals a year for the forward position that they're a little bit younger. So you got Martin Nikas, who's, he's an RFA. So you're going to have to get him a, a decent contract, but he was making 863,000 last year with the hurt with hurricanes. And he scored 14 goals. He's 23 years old. He's a guy that you can consider if you want a cheaper price, Nicholas Roy, who's with Vegas. He's 25 played 78 games last year, scored 15 goals. He made 750,000. Maybe you can get him for 1.25. Yeah, that's another RFA. Um, 
a UFA from Florida. They're probably going to sign him, but it's Mason Marchment. He's he had 18 goals last year. He only made 800,000. They're going to have to give him a pay raise, but can you get him for 1.5 or 1.75 if you ask nicely? Maybe. There's like some, there's some interesting guys, Frankie Vitrano, as they said, but you're going to have to pay him a little bit more. But there's some guys that are cheaper that you might be able to get for a decent, for a decent price. But there, a lot of these guys are RFAs. So RFAs mean that they're restricted free agents. So they're, that their home scene that they have right now is going to get the first dibs on them. So you have to be able to get a decent contract that's going to make them want to leave their home to come there. Um, but it's, it's interesting, and we're going to have it all covered for you. As we'll have, probably have a podcast next week at the Bry where we'll recap what's going on. But it's going to be exciting. Yeah, maybe next Thursday we can do it the day after free agency starts, see if any big big moves have been happening. But, uh, I mean, our episode of Penguin Stuff, that was a lot of Penguin Stuff, uh, probably over 20 minutes maybe. <laughs> Best best penguins talk in town. And with that, let's let's uh, move on to the pirates. As we'll, we'll keep you posted with the pen stuff. If you want to keep up to the most up to date stuff, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. As we'll keep you updated on those platforms. Yeah, but now moving on to the looking at the college football realignment. A lot of things going on, Alex. Uh, as you have USC and UCLA moving to the Big Ten. Uh, was that twenty twenty four season? Yeah. So was that two years or is it next year? Two years. Year after next year? I believe it's two years. Hey, so yeah, so that's shaking up a lot of things. Big Ten is definitely going to be worth a lot more. The teams are going to be making a lot more in the Big Ten now. Everything leads to money. I mean, you take those TV boxes in California. I mean, that that's the most populated state. You take two of the top teams from California. I mean, that's a lot of eyes on the Big Ten and a lot of money towards funneling towards the Big Ten now. And so now it's up to – the. ACC, the Pac-12, and the Big 12 to, to make a move, to maybe do something that will shake up college football, maybe take some teams. I mean, it's gonna. I think it's going to come to three conferences. I think there's going to be the top two, and I think there's going to be that third, which could end up being the ACC. Let's see where it shakes out, though. But I think everything will kind of stand still for a little bit, and I think what could really – all hell could break loose is if Notre Dame goes to the SEC or the Big Ten. I think they would go to the Big Ten if they went to a conference. But if the Notre Dame does go to the ACC, that would save the ACC totally. I think you have three then even conferences if Clemson and FSU stay in the ACC and then you add Notre Dame. I think that makes the ACC a strong conference. I think it maybe halts the Big Ten and SEC from expanding as much. But I think it's all going to depend on Notre Dame. And Notre Dame, maybe they won't even join a conference. They could stay independent. But if they think that these conferences are going to become so big, that's going to become near impossible for them to make a college football playoff. Uh, against these conferences, I think that could really shake things up. Absolutely. I think that's an excellent point. You got Notre Dame here. Notre Dame is with the ACC and everything except football. If they join them in football, that'd be fantastic. But you got to be really careful if you're the ACC. Because if you lose Clemson, Florida State, and Miami, then you're in big trouble. So you got to do something right now that's going to be able to keep them in place. Because if you lose those schools, that's a huge loss for the ACC. And they're exploring a loose – I don't know if you saw this, Ryan. They're exploring yeah. a loose partnership with the Pac-12 to maybe combine some combine some games maybe in the future and maybe have a championship game in Vegas or something Whether they have make, that would make ESPN play more money, pay more money, and maybe they could have a combined conference championship. But that's something that's interesting too. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's a definitely a good partnership. I think 
you could have three really good conferences if you merge the ACC and Pac-12, then you have the SEC and Big Ten. I think those conferences could be competitive. I think if the Big Ten or SEC poaches more members from the Pac-12, I think the ACC becomes that third conference. And I think if you add like a Cincinnati, uh, some some other good teams maybe that are left over from the Pac-12 and Big 12, I think uh, you could make a good third conference, a competitive third conference. Because if you think about it, with those two top conferences, if, if it does go to 20 teams in each conference and maybe Pitt's left out, that doesn't mean that it's like a death sentence to Pitt. Because you look at I mean, the top 25, I mean, this conference is of 20 teams in each. Those teams are going to be playing each other. So that means there can only be maybe five top-tier teams in each conference. And that leaves like 15 spots in the top 25 for other teams to, to jump in there. I mean, you're not going to have 10 teams from each of those big conferences in the top 25. I mean, it's just not, I mean, you're going to have a lot of seven and six, seven and five, uh, six and six teams in those conferences. There's going to be a lot of mediocre football. There's going to be this top, maybe three, four, five top tier teams in each conference, but then there's a lot of spots left over. So I think even if it goes to that and Pitt's left out, I don't think it's the end. Or, or like a death sentence, Pitt will never be relevant again because there's a lot of spots that would be open in the top 25 for if Pitt has a good year in the ACC and it schedules good non-conference games. There's a chance they can get in the college football player, get in the top 10, and obviously not be left out of the top 25 or left in the dust of college football. But I do think Pitt could maybe sneak into one of those conferences if they have a successful year this year or next year. So I think it all depends on how the team does now. If Pitt stays relevant now, if Pitt wins the ACC again this year, if Pitt – uh, has a good year goes ten and two. Maybe Miami goes eleven and one and takes the coastal. I still think a, a ten and two year, nine and three year is definitely good to help Pitt be in the conversation and join one of those conferences. I think absolutely, and that's why Pitt has to win now. And there's really no uh, it, that's how it is normally with our expectations for sports teams. But for college, I think we give it a little bit of slack at times. But this is a time when Pitt really has to win because they need to have a product that people can say is a consistent moneymaker, a consistent product that's going to provide not only the so the school success, but the conference that has that school, meaning Pitt success. And money, because that's what it's all about. As you said, it's all about money now. And you need to have products that sell. And Pitt has to be able to continue to have that kind of production that they've had in the past couple of years. I think a win in the Coastal is a must this year. It's the last year of the Coastal before ACC adopts their new realignment, their new format for the coming years of football. And I think this is a must to, be, to continue to not only be competitive in the ACC, but to continue to be at the top of the ACC. Because if you're continually beating teams like Florida State, because Florida State has been bad for a, a, a couple of years now. If you're continually beating those types of teams, Miami's, the North Carolinas, being competitive against Clemson, I think you're in a great position to have a product, in, in football at least, that is has the potential to be sellable. Yeah, and this is all – this conference realignment is all for football. I think people that did this are like, it's money, money, money. They're like, they worried about, could they do it? Not should they do it? I mean, this could be detrimental to other sports. I mean, if everything's focused on football, I mean, basketball makes a lot, makes money too. Obviously not, it's not even the same ballpark as what football makes, but that could really hurt a lot of these schools because these teams are joining conferences. Maybe these conferences don't have the same sports that some of the schools that are joining them have. I mean, I think it could really hurt a lot of these teams and uh, other sports other than football. And I think I could really ruin college sports. College sports is one of the best 
best things in best sports games to watch. It's always been the best league. It's all because you it's really passionate, passionate fan bases. But now I think if it, it could be really ruined if it's just the same top teams in each of these big conferences each year. I mean, it, the chaos is what made college football great, and it's been going downhill for several years, and it could keep skyrocketing downhill if it's someone doesn't step in and, and stop this. Absolutely. It's good. Especially with the NIL stuff, money, money is consuming college and high school athletics and it's going to, it's not, that's not going away anytime soon. How we talk about pirates, uh, Ryan pirates having a, uh, decent spell. If you might say they beat the Yankees in front of a sellout crowd. You were there, Ryan. What'd you think of that? Yeah, I don't even think I mentioned this but that we we're going to be talking about the Pirates. Huh? Completely uh, blew my mind, but uh, or flew my mind. But yeah, it was a great game. I mean, I can't remember the last time I've been to a sellout. I think it was 2015, the wild card game against the Cubs, and it didn't take as long to get in as, as this Yankees game. But it was it was a great atmosphere. Uh, it was it was a great game. But the Pirates, they keep on playing against big teams like the Yankees in front of big crowds. Uh, that's once you get big crowds in the stadiums, you have to be successful. And if you want to keep some fans and keep some interest in the team. And so I think that was an important win. It was. I, and one thing I want to mention is against the Dodgers and the Yankees, the pirates record is six to two this year, which is oh my gosh. unbelievable. But uh, against yeah, the red, they have a losing record. Though. It was good to see that. Cause I haven't really experienced that. I mean, nobody really has experienced that in the last like 15 years. I mean, the, the I went to, this, that was my second game this year. The first game I went to was like, I think it was 20,000, which is actually more than is normally there. But I mean, it was, it was amazing. I could, we have the ballpark pass. And so I actually couldn't find a, a seat to sit. So I, it, I decided to stand by there about to commencing wall there and, and watch the game. It was, it was a great environment, great atmosphere. It was a great win. I haven't seen Pittsburgh fans passionate or into a game like that in a long time. It was good to see. That's why I've been since 2015, the last time they were in the playoffs. Yeah. In the wild card spot. And ever since then, it's been downhill. But um, that's probably that's probably been the last time we've seen that them that into the game. Um, but it's it's exciting to see the pirates, the young, they have some good youth coming up here. And maybe in a couple of years, as you, we've talked about in the past, they should be ready for a playoff team coming up. I think that's oh, definitely gonna be we'll see, Alex. There's still a lot of holes in this roster. There's only I'd say five guys that I think should be starting next year on the team, or that could be starting on a lot of teams in MLB, and that's Key Brian Hayes, Brian Reynolds, Jack Sawinski, uh maybe Michael Chavis and O'Neill Cruz. Last night was terrible though, Ryan. Last night was terrible to lose to the Yankees. Like that's embarrassing now for your position players to start to pitch. And it's it's just absolutely embarrassing. They go, I don't know how you can go from one extreme to the other. It's so they're so topsy turvy. They have the worst. I think they have the, the second worst um, run differential at all. And it's not even the second worst. It's the it's the worst run differential in all of baseball. They're they they're minus one hundred twenty nine in runs. That's behind the Nationals, who are who are even worse than the Pirates. But now they play the Reds this weekend. They they're not good against the Reds. They have a worse record against the Reds than they do against the Dodgers and Yankees combined. And it's just ridiculous how they can be so flippant and so volatile with their consi- they're not consistent they're not consistent and that's why they're not a good baseball teams because they're not consistent but that's going to take a long time hopefully within the rest of this season in the next season they can work that out and by 2024 they need to be ready to compete because they're going to have 
that's going to be a time when you're going to have Brian Hayes coming into the prime of his career. They're going to have to sell Brian Reynolds on wanting to stay, and they're going to have to sign O'Neill Cruz if they want to have a team that's going to be able to contend for a playoff spot. And Jack Stowiski, too. Yeah, yeah, it's more than that. You're going to have to have guys step up. Like, uh, Lim Madras could, could be a good option going forward. Uh, Michael Chavis could be a good option. He's a young guy he got from the Red Sox. Uh, the Henry Davis are going to be moving up at some time. There's some other guys down there in the minors that need to step up, especially pitching-wise. Ronzi Contreras needs to be good. I mean, you don't have much starters beyond that, though, down in the minors, and I think you're going to have to sign some guys from free agency. I mean, so it's it's easy to do. Uh, all you have to do is spend a little bit more money. You could build a championship roster next year if you wanted to spend money, but they don't want to do that. And so I don't think the Pirates will be contending in at least till 2024, and I think that might not even be good. And Mitch Keller was okay yesterday. Mitch Keller was okay. Contreras has been good. Brubaker's been okay. But now you got guys in the bullpen. As soon as the starting pitching starts even out, now the guys in the bullpen stink. You got Van Meter who gave up six earned runs last night. Well, he was a he's a position player. I know, but, he, but you put him in the lineup. But that's that's their bullpen now. Position players. They got position players coming out of the bullpen. You got Ben Welos, who was terrible too. He gave up five earned runs. Yeah, I mean, you can't expect uh, uh, Josh Van Meter to, to throw a throw a scoreless inning. <laughs> I expect Van Meter to at least get me three outs in twenty minutes. But he's a but he's a second baseman. I mean, you have to blame Sheldon and the MLB for allowing this. Position players should not be pitching in baseball games. It's embarrassing. And position players have pitched uh, like in. I think the position players have pitched in at least 10% of their games this year. And it's embarrassing and needs to stop. And I don't think Shelton's, I mean, not because of that, but there's a lot of things that say Shelton is not the guy. And I think Shelton needs to go, but that can go. Whoa. You think he needs, you think he should be gone? Yes. That's interesting. Uh, Josh Van Meter has been pitched in three games this year. That's more than a, that's more than a couple of players on the Pirates. Uh, their bullpen that they they've been calling up. So he got he's been pitched in three games this year. Yeah, it's that's embarrassing. But uh, let's move on to the Baker Mayfield situation. We'll go over this quick. It's just embarrassing for the Browns. Talk about more embarrassing. I mean, the Browns traded Baker Mayfield, their starting quarterback, their draft. Their big draft, their face of the franchise, drafted out of Oklahoma for a fifth round pick. It's hilarious. The Browns are going to Brown, and it's it, it's just funny to watch. I can't believe a fifth round pick. That's like that's nothing. And now they're going to be stuck with Jacoby Brissett to take them through the rest of this year. I mean, they're I they're paying all this money to Watson. How's the rest of the roster going to look? I, I have no clue. Imagine the dead money, but like that's gonna come off of that if he's suspended. Well, if he's if he's suspended indefinitely, I don't think they have to pay him. But it's it it's they they, don't, they can't get those three first round picks back that they traded to Houston. Uh, that's that's gonna hurt them in the long run. Mm-hmm. They're in big trouble. The Browns are in big trouble. They have two wide receivers there that like they have Amari Cooper and who's the other guy they have. Um, I think they had another good wide receiver that they picked up. But Amari Cooper came there with the expectation that that team was – that they would have a decent quarterback. They'd be able to pass to him. If, if it's Jacoby Brissett, he might as well just stay in Dallas with Dak Prescott and took less money. Yeah, it, it's hilarious to watch it. I think the Browns are going to be absolutely terrible next year, and it'll just be amazing. It'll be amazing. I mean, they're never going to – it's just funny. I mean, what's, what's Andrew Barry, the 35-year-old – general manager doing i mean he went to harvard he obviously failed economics 
He's, he's not that. Uh, he, he's obviously brilliant, but he's not brilliant when it comes to common sense. He lacks common sense, that man. But and another thing, Baker Mayfield, he's he, well, he couldn't have gone to a better place. He might be the best quarterback in that division. And and by next year, Tom Brady's going to retire. Jameis Winston's the quarterback of the Saints. And uh, who knows who the Falcons quarterback is going to be? They have Desmond Ritter, and now they have Marcus Mariota. He's going to be the best quarterback in the division. He is, and I didn't think about that. But uh, I guess that wraps up everything for NFL. It's a terrible situation for the Browns, great situation for Baker. And we might, might even root for Baker a little bit to make Cleveland fans a little oh, mad, Alex, and Baker does well. I hope he plays, I hope he plays the first week. They, those two teams play each other the first week of the year. Oh, I hope they start Mayfield, and Mayfield actually absolutely crushes them. Like he supports awesome. their defense. That would be fantastic. That, that, that would be all right. <laughs> that wraps up everything with the NFL. Now we have a little bit of golf. John Deere Classic occurred last week. Oh, it was a good PGA tournament. I mean, it's, it's cool to see some of these events that don't have as much as the star power because that, John Deere Classic never is a, as a great field. But, but it's cool to see these guys who are playing to kind of fight for their careers. And JT Poston led wire to wire, led for the first round, second round, third round, and on the final day for a great finish. And he finally uh, he broke through for his third PGA tournament. Uh, he, he was close in the Travelers and a big win for the Postman. It really was. And um, golf's been exciting recently as you got a lot of things going on in the sport of golf with Liv and other entities. You got uh, the tours fighting back and forth. And I think it's I think it's in the end, it's going to be good for the game of golf because you get more competitiveness between the tours, which brings more money into the sport that brings which forces more success, probably amongst the players to get that money. But I think live golf, I think you're in a situation with live where you're not getting good quality golf. When you give golfers guaranteed money, I think that's one of the stupidest things that you could do in sports is give these players in golf guaranteed money. That that makes success. Um, you don't need success. It makes success secondary because you don't need it because you got that guaranteed money. You can fall back on that. When you don't have money, success is the only option in golf. And that's what makes the PGA Tour interesting is because you got a lot of these guys that have to win in order to make more money. You get you move up to the tours, the Corn Ferry Tour. You get up higher and higher and higher because of your success, and that gets you more money. Live, you just get money, and you can suck. Like <laughs> Phil Mickelson, he's been terrible. He has been. I mean, he. It's different in the NFL and I guess NHL and MLB because you're getting incentives as well. And you're not getting paid as much. Like in it's live golf, two hundred million. Like no one's making that in the NFL a, a year. No. <laughs> and a lot of it, a lot of it is incentives too. Like you have to play good to make this money, and you're fighting for for, for your uh, I guess your livelihood and your family's livelihood by playing good. But yeah. if you're getting paid 200 million, there's no need to play good because there's no incentives. Exactly. To play. Exactly. Yeah. I think I think you put put, uh, put the nail on the hammer on the nail there. Thank you for that. Uh, what do you think about? We'll, we'll talk about the British Open next week once we get to that um, on there. But what do you think about the state of golf, though? You think it's going to be for the best? Yeah, I think you said everything. That was good. I think it will generate a lot more, a lot more money for the players, and I think a lot more opportunities for European Tour uh, players to be able to play on the PGA Tour. And uh, hopefully, there's a better path created for guys coming out of college to get to the PGA Tour faster. I mean, you look at some of these guys that are coming out of college; they have to wait years to be able to get to the PGA Tour. 
if they don't win right away. I think there needs to be a better, an easier way to be able to get to the PGA Tour out, right out of college to prevent these younger players from going to live golf. But I think I think that I think we covered everything really going on in golf, and I think you hit the nail on the head there. One more note: this is not about golf; it's about Josh Van Meter. But Josh Van Meter, his nickname it says on the uh, when I click on his profile on the MLB app, it says his nickname is Meat Sauce. <laughs> That, oh, uh, that'll wrap up our podcast. No. He was a piece of meat out there on the mound yesterday. He was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> well, that'll wrap up everything we had to talk about today. I think Alex uh, ended, it, ended it with meat sauce. All right. <laughs> we thank you for listening to our podcast. Uh, we look forward to doing more this summer. Hopefully, we can get everybody ready for pit football. Coming up September 1st. It's, it, it's getting closer. It's getting closer. It can be more excited for that. And with that, remember, we are your home for everything Pittsburgh sports.